0: Welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode number one hundred and thirty-two here in the den. Nick Maxon joining myself, Noah Grant, who once again I am stuck at home. I shouldn't say stuck at home. Actually, this is the first time I've been home since spring break or Christmas. I don't know. But anyway, it's been Christmas for hockey fans. It's been a crazy, crazy week as far as NCAA hockey is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh Friday scores um a lot of intrigue i guess moving into uh the week some non-conference schedules um even some conference plays some big 10 teams getting underway that are getting their first games under the belt as well we'll talk about that in the main portion of the show of course men's side uh st cloud state is off but we'll kind of preview their series against wisconsin and then on the women's side they are at ohio state and then getting ready for hey who else but Wisconsin on the women's side as well. Minnesota Wild continuing to roll uh, with the Dallas Stars here, their last preseason game before they get ready for it, the regular season. And then our extra ice session. Nick, we've got to talk about it again because Hockey Canada just cannot stay out of the limelight. And uh,
1: yeah, we'll leave this, it at that. This is bad. <laughs> I mean, well, and it's gotten to the point where, we'll put it this way, that finally some – repercussions that should force some changes or happening. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah,
0: definitely would agree. And it was one of those episodes that honestly didn't even want to revisit them. And because the men were off and because of their actions, I'd uh, like they like, like the they have to have to be in the show this week, unfortunately. But we'll have some fun with it as always with the regular portion of our show as well. Sunrise view news and notes and the huskies those shit around well the huskies illustrated roundup let's try that again uh headed your way here on the huskies warming house podcast center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to CenterIceView.com.
1: A few news and notes in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly run-up for those who, uh, you know, can not mince their words. Uh, so, <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> I know. What isn't mince, though, Noah, is that uh, we're less than a week from the NHL regular season, kind of, although it did technically start yesterday, I believe, uh, over, um, over season in Czechia, if I believe uh, correctly, between yeah. the... Predators and San Jose. Yeah. The, uh, I believe the, like the official start for, it,
0: for most of the rest of the teams is like either Monday or Tuesday. I think as right. well. Yeah.
1: Like the, like the Rangers play Tuesday and they've got the wild on Thursday. On so, Thursday, which yeah. is their season opener at home here at the XL energy center. Um. So as of course, all NHL players teams like to do it's last minute signings, extensions, PTOs, all that stuff kind of getting figured out. Right. Uh. Here's the big one. Matthew Barzell of the Islanders, eight year extension, 9.15 million dollars per season. Uh that's a steep one. Um certainly a projected uh yeah. you know salary for sure. Uh that's a th- here's the thing. He's 25 years of age, he's just entering the prime. Uh one season left at 7 million. So if you think about it, uh no it's it's not really much of a raise if you want to call it that. So this is, yeah. you know, and of course the Oilers is banking on the fact that we, we've seen him produce at spurts and hoping to continue to do so um in longer spurts here with this extension which kicks in after yeah this season yeah they struggled last year and so did bars off yeah, for
0: Hard, that matter yeah. um i mean he finished whatever it was second or fourth on the team whatever it was he still had 59 points last year um so uh yeah it's um it's it's a projection that i think any team would take their chance on just given mm-hmm. his body of work to this point um i probably would have had him closer at maybe eight five um, instead of 9.15, but what's 500K to pay for a player that's going to give you 0.75 to 0.8 points per season in a quote-unquote sure. down year. Um, good hockey
1: player, and the Islanders desperately need that uh, with a new coaching regime as well, too. So, And and I think I think it's safe to say that, shall we say, the Islanders' systems, I think, have played a role, too, in some of his production teams of just suppressing offense. I, it, it definitely, I think, is worth the argument there, too. So right. Uh, speaking of not being suppressed, uh, how about this? After a incredibly, shall we say, roller coaster offseason for Calgary, um, dare we say that, you know, so a four circle has come come to pass? So yeah. they did get an extension with Mackenzie Weger, uh, which was a big part of the return for the Matthew Kachuk trade. Uh, Huberto already getting his uh, extension. Now Mackenzie Weger gets his. Eight years. So the max that he can do, six and a quarter. Million dollars per season. So, uh, no, this kind of puts the Flames in actually not too bad of a spot, but they are three and a half million over the salary cap. Uh, still five players over the 23 man roster. So it's workable, yeah, um, uh, for them. So I guess if, if you're, uh, Brad living uh, of Calgary, um, you want to get the deal done. And, and if you're only, you know, three and a half over and five players that you need to essentially cut, you're in a decently good position, you know, considering what you were looking at at the start of the offseason wouldn't you agree yeah
0: it's not terrible and of course to remember five players league minimum is just under 800k so i mean that's almost a million dollars per player so certainly should get back to that but obviously um a good problem to have uh trying to cut some players there but i uh, yeah what a great deal uh for the flames i think i mean mm-hmm. calgary um you know 6.25 it's a great addition for a guy on the a guy on the back end who's gonna make a lot of damage so um Yeah, the Flames looking like they're in a good spot. Professional tryout offers, we'll get to those in a moment, um, where the Flames did release a couple of guys already as well, too. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, really good deal for them. And the next one that you've got coming out of the
1: Central Division, even better, I think, considering where this particular team uh, was sitting. 100%. 100%. And this one, you're talking about the 11th hour, right? This was like 1159 for Dallas and Jason Robertson, again, uh, the forward that gave Carell a run for his money for the Calder Trophy just a few seasons ago, right? Uh, yeah. Would be considered, I think, a bridge deal at four years, 7.75. Now, I say bridge deal because if he continues to project the way that he is, Um, he's going to be paid very handsomely uh, here coming up. And he's still a young player. Uh, So uh, it kicks in the end of this season, right? Uh, 41 goals, right? Um, Second of the team with 79 points. Um, Dare I say that? I think it's safe to say that he's making those Sagan and Ben contracts look even worse than they already are. My goodness. So
0: Um, yeah, four years, 7.75. What a great job by Jim Nill and his only year extended, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. for the Dallas stars. I, I, you know, this was something that they thought that he wasn't going to be able to get done and he's done it with minimal damage. You're probably going to have to alleviate, I believe probably about a million dollars in cap space somewhere Mm -hmm. around there, a million five. Um, So a pretty good move for him. And I, of course, keeping Robertson, but also giving him that bridge deal to prove himself and earn more money down the road. I mean, he's someone that if just like Krill Caprizov, if he continues to do it, we've seen him do um, actually both of those deals now um, will expire at the same time, by the way, Caprizov mm-hmm. and Robertson, because Caprizov was five years that got signed last year. Um, so here's an interesting question here for you, Nick sure. second on the second on the team with 79 points. Who led the Dallas stars in points last year? It wasn't Sagan or Ben right um, i had to think
1: i had to think on it for I actually had to look it up was it uh wasn't fox so who wants me was it uh no it wasn't gary Yonoff. uh who am i thinking of oh geez right it's kind of hard would you would you like to phone a friend here i would because i feel like i like as soon as i hear the name it's gonna bother the hell out of me uh, um
0: former u.s olympian uh joe pavelski was it really 81 points for him last year And that it it, it paints the
1: picture, right? Because if you're, well, he's 38 now, I believe. Right. Yeah. And he was making five and a half last year. Think about that. No, granted that's great for Joel Pavelski. I've always liked his game. Um, There's a big reason why they brought him over. Right. Was because they, they felt confident in his production, but more so, I think they were hoping that he would spark uh, help with the others. Right. And, it hasn't really worked out that way um if joel pavelski at his age is leading your team in points um and the other two mean segan and ben are still struggling oh boy um I d- wonder, dare we yeah it's it's still kind of handcuffed for dallas for sure I,
0: I wonder and maybe i'm missing somebody i wonder who was the last 38 year old to be basically a point per game player in the national hockey league
1: yager maybe
0: yeah like it's that's impressive I think yeah. so um no wh- it is whoever has that answer I'd like to know if anyone wants to tweet us at Warming House den on twitter we would love to know the answer to that one I it's would, probably so sure. it's probably someone that we totally missed and they're like oh yeah four years ago Jager
1: uh, Lemieux yeah um, just to name a few Gretzky probably did it yeah um but the lot la- I can't think of anybody between that yeah how many years? Really did, how
0: many years did Gretz play in the league? Actually, because he was done in '99, yes. right? wouldn't that
1: have been 19 years? Yeah, in '80, yeah, yeah, he kind of he kind of struggled near the tail end of his career, though. I mean, he kind of dropped he off. another copy after the yeah. trade to LA, and then he kind of bounced around what uh, the uh, the Blues, the Rangers, uh, just to name a couple. Yeah, Um, I just and and when you're playing for Mike Keenan in St. Louis, it doesn't help either. So, yeah, Uh,
0: super curious, Um, Nick, before we get to your last one here, I did just hear this one today. I don't have the terms on this one. Also, Calgary Flames, we talked about them. Daryl Sutter also getting an extension extension as well,
1: too. So multi-year extension, if I recall. Yep. So and he's definitely earned that uh, uh, earned that contract, a a respected coach um, in the NHL
0: for sure. Yeah, certainly has. Um, How about we stay up north here, Nick, for your last topic? A bit more of a
1: controversial one. Yep. And we covered this, right? So this is the Montreal Canadiens because there's no stranger to controversy up there on north of the border. Uh, (laughs) We're talking to Logan and Mayu, right? Um, They did sign him to an entry-level deal. Um, so here is the statement from uh, General Manager Ken Hughes. He says, quote, this is a decision that we have thought through very carefully. Uh, having Logan around members of our team and hockey operations staff is good uh, for a good part of the summer. Allowed us to gain a greater appreciation of Logan Mayu, the person. He has an opportunity to effect positive change. We will work to support him in any efforts that uh, towards that goal. And Logan does recognize the impact of his gesture. And of course the process continues. Uh, that's about the safest statement you could ever preach uh for for (laughs) Logan Mayu uh but uh I'm not sure what else has to be said there Noah I think time time will tell yeah that's about it yeah time will tell well let's talk about time uh and how about
0: some uh trades uh in the passage of time two years left on the deals for each of these players basically a one-for-one with a second round draft pick coming from the Canucks as well headed Mm -hmm. to Chicago uh Jason Dickinson and that second rounder in 2024 Going to Chicago on the other side, defenseman Riley Stillman uh, heading back towards the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver gets $1.3 million in cap space, but they are Mm -hmm. just under $700,000 over. Um, Stillman has two years left, 1.35 average annual value, 12 points in 52 games last season for him. Chicago on the other side, getting that draft pick and Jason Dickinson, yep. who was kind of a stand-up player for the stars a couple of years ago. Um, it's his eighth season in the league. I think people for, tend to forget that a little bit. Six of those yeah. uh, spent with, with Yeah. With the Dallas stars, 27 years old, two years left at two, six, five average annual value, 11 points in 62 games last year so. Kind of a change of scenery,
1: yeah, yeah, and uh, good for Chicago here. Um, that second rounder again, you're you're seizing the opportunity to get yeah, to build your draft capital. Uh, Chicago, as we uh, very clearly know, is in complete and total you know strip down mode. Yeah. Uh, you know, at this point, just waiting for Taves and Kane to be either shipped off or not re-signed, right? Um, yeah. But good on Chicago to, to seize the opportunity of, of a team that's trying to shed some cap um, and just for him to throw a second-round pick and there's a sweetener. Um, good on, on Chicago for getting that draft capital. That's a good deal for them.
0: Yeah, kind of a, I don't want to say a nothing trade, but kind of a very... It's a it's a cap trade. dump. It's yeah. a cap dump. Let's let's be real. Yeah. That's all it so, is. Yep. Uh, change of scenery for both guys. Have to see how it pans out. Speaking right. of uh, scenery that... Players will be leaving, I guess. Uh, professional trout cuts um, mm-hmm. that has have gone on here as we hit the tail end of training camp. Alex Galchenyuk in Colorado was cut due to significant injury. Uh, apparently, the report is that they actually really liked him, mm-hmm. um, but he sustained an injury that they think is going to keep him out for at least probably a month. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to revisit that. That's tough. I mean, I, I always like Alex Galchenyuk as a player um, when he was with Minnesota, he's
1: kind of been a suitcase. He's incredibly streaky. Um, yeah. Very uh, shall we say a, a big liability defensively as well. Uh, I know that's been yeah. a big cut. And then even offensively too, he was just uh, time was Minnesota, right? In the right situations, he shined, but more often than not, uh, he was a ghost and that's yeah. been a big uh, mark on him and mind you he was a uh, top 10 pick if i recall wasn't he um you yeah, know going back question. back in his day i'm pretty sure he was a high round uh, if not even top five um if i if i recall correctly um but just never really had consistency in his game at the nhl levels so it's sad oh, to my, see but
0: oh my gosh you are right third overall and back yes. in 2012
1: um mm-hmm. wow that's weird <laughs> I know it's hard
0: to say that I'm right for once. I get it. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, I remember, I mean, with Michelle Terrian and the structure that he played, the big thing was he was a centerman, a natural center and they didn't want him at center. They wanted him to
1: play wing and, um, kind of yeah. pushed him out of Montreal a little bit. So it's
0: been a weird ride for him. Uh, well,
1: and and that goes to the point of what I made earlier. Again, you know, centers you're defensively responsible for it. He struggled at that, and he has yeah. great offensive talents, right? So I think they kind of figured, well, you move him to the wing to take some pressure off some of those extra defensive responsibilities, right? And right. Uh, at least use the natural offensive talent that he has. And again, it just never it never uh, appeared in Montreal. Again, a couple changes of senior age, just, he just Never cut on. It's it's. It seems. I don't want to call it a waste because that's. I don't want to. It's. I don't want to disrespect El Cheng, but it just kind of feels like he could never really settle on of, with one team and just kind of relax and, and just yeah. develop. It just kind of seems like it was mismanaged. Maybe that's the best way to phrase it. Yeah,
0: it just kind of left a little bit to be desired. Yes. Uh, on the other side, the Edmonton Oilers have cut ties with Jake Vertan and his professional tryout. I know they got a lot of flack um, on social mm-hmm. media about that too as well. You can check more about that. We talked about it a couple episodes ago, but just look it up and you'll understand uh, where we're coming from on that one. Sure. In the last group, uh, Cody Eakin and Sonny Milano both gone from the Calgary Flames. They are only yeah. Yep. defenseman michael stone um on a pto of course stone was with the team last year so they're going to keep, keep keep taking a look at him probably uh tonight or tomorrow is probably their last game i'm assuming uh, just like got the a Wild, day before so. the regular
1: season so either they gotta sign him or he's gotta go so yeah
0: so it should be interesting um so yeah those are our professional tryout cuts and then i thought this was kind of interesting uh to round out the show here nick 10 teams entering the season this year with a new head coach in the national hockey league Mm -hmm. in the east philadelphia florida boston the new york islanders and detroit and in the west chicago vegas san jose dallas and winnipeg and welcome into episode 132 those are three numbers that go together but not necessarily in that order but uh you know who else goes together um nick maxson and myself Noah grant welcome into the show um (laughs) Nick, when listeners are going to be listening to this show, um, Uh-oh. it's good. It's going to be Sunday. Uh, yeah, I know. Just just after the first week of October, um, I don't think anything significant is going on. Although back maybe in not at all 1986 something Shut interesting up. had had happened. It uh, was a it was a Thursday, so Sunday <laughs> doesn't matter. So what uh, <laughs> what what
1: are your what are your inside sources have have to tell you at ARP about this? Uh. Well, that's, that's public information. That's not secret sources, but, uh, um, apparently the, the number attached to my name is changing. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, uh, yeah. the, <laughs> the big guy, uh, the big three, six, is that, Yeah. Uh, is yeah, that
0: I'm, correct? Yeah. I, you know, it actually makes it easy because we were both born 10 years apart. So like our ages and our birth <laughs> years actually, um, not to <laughs> it's like i guess I didn't even- you're I'm, just you're you're I'm making sorry. me feel so much
1: better right now I'm we'll sorry. say this way i'm on par with matt zuccarello with his jersey number we'll just leave it at that how about that and, and almost the same age is he
0: not 36 as well i think i'm older I'll take a look here i, I think, think he, i'm older he's like 35 or 36 i don't know I, I think he's 35 how are your lizard properties that's what i want to know
1: uh good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Matt Matt Zuccarello. This is uh, this is interesting here. The National Hockey League apparently has a website. So let's open oh, it they up. Do. He is 35. Um mm-hmm. uh September 1st, 1987. So Okay. I got him by like 13
1: months. 11 13 11 September would be a month earlier right or 11 yeah 11 okay i did it backwards <laughs> this is why we don't do math here in the huskies warmer nose someone called someone someone called the nursing home nick's gotten out again um <laughs> seriously <laughs> um, i need to press my life alert he'll find me yeah but it's <laughs> uh
0: it, it's it's kind of crazy i mean it, that's exciting you know and of course you got some big family things uh planned from what i've heard too um yeah a, as well and it, it's kind of nice that's part of the reason too um not the full reason but of course recording on saturday so that does affect some of our ncaa stuff so we'll get into that. Nick Um, anything else you want to add about your, uh, your big day before we, (laughs) well, I'll
1: just say it feels different this year. Um, Really? It it does. And it's, not, it's a not, good thing. Not, not like arthritis, like just different emotionally. Right. Well, no, I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually did. I did skate yesterday. Uh, you know, I played some hockey, some open, uh, open hockey. I got a, a group. I'm going to get together in the South Metro tomorrow morning, very early um, to do another skating, uh, which I don't normally get to do, especially on, on that day. So, um, you know, it feels different because of just, just some things that I've accomplished in the last five, six months. And yeah, um, Let's just say that uh I don't know. They're just there's still some things that we have yet to uh tie the bow on, shall we say, Noah. Yeah. Um so I don't know, other than that, it's just like when you celebrate your 21st birthday for the you know 15th time it kind of gets old sometimes <laughs> yeah you know
0: and that's the kind of thing it's like you know having friends who you know they turn 21 and, you know they're all excited and then they turn 22 and they're like well now what i'm like well you can be president at 35 so i you
1: know your car insurance will drop in another four years so yeah you're <laughs> your
0: parents insurance at 26 and then uh, at 65 you can have the senior citizens discount at uh, pizza ranch i don't know um <laughs> but, but nonetheless of all I mean, the places pizza ranch of course i don't even think they offer a senior discount i mean would a buffet offer that i don't think so Mm -hmm. right i some do yeah i'm not sure um yeah but it's it's kind of interesting you know as we look forward um crazy to think that we've been doing this show over two years now
1: right almost we're getting close to three actually closer to three than we are to two now yeah you know and i and i
0: was looking back actually had a really nice um shout out to heather weems nchc commissioner had a really nice thing to say about our last episode um as college hockey got started so thank you to her with that um and also did get an email um, about uh, a podcast company. It's like a ranking company. I don't know how legit they are. I didn't really investigate, but they did list us um, as the 25th most popular NCAA focused podcast um, in the country. Oh. So, so I don't know how accurate that is, but uh, I don't know. I'll mm, take Photoshop, it. I guess. I guess. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not here's quite your, sure. Here's your like, you know, your thumbnail for you and here's 25th and, cool yeah no kidding um i mean because you would think with all the different college football ones that that would dominate basketball for sure right yeah not to say, like, you know, hockey fans
0: are a passion a bunch, but yeah, however legit or not legit it was, I have no idea. But Nick Maxon's birthday is legit, so happy birthday. Wishing Thank you the best, uh, as we move through the week. Speaking of weeks and Sundays, I believe we're going to record on Sunday next week, so probably a, right, yeah. probably a late Sunday release next week. And mm-hmm. I tell you this because we have a new format ish to the regular part of the show. Um, so here's how it's going to kind of go, and it's going to be a little bit messy on the men's side just because we have a lot of non conference action for a couple of weeks before we get into to the actual um conference, conference stuff. games yeah but basically how it's going to go is we're going to start off with the NCAA the non ncha team so Big Ten um AIC we'd love to talk about them as you obviously know um <laughs> if you know you know right <laughs> yeah and all the and all the teams and kind of recap what's going on in the in the non-NCHC conference world. Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, we are going to take a look at the NCHC men's schedule and then obviously tying it off with St. Cloud State. Recap the weekend for St. Cloud State if they play. Um, And then we'll get you up to speed on what's on tap for the NCHC team. So what are the matchups the upcoming weekend? And -hmm. then we'll also preview the upcoming matchup for St. Cloud and their opponent at the end of that and then kind of in the middle there, we'll just talk about any changes to the pairwise overall, after all that's been recapped to see if there's anything notable. And then we'll move on to the WCHA women. So we'll round up the weekend, similar to the men. We'll recap St. Cloud's weekend if they play. We'll take a look at the standings, then what's on tap for the WCHA, and then preview the women's opponent as well. And then we'll flip over to the Minnesota Wild and talk about them. So that's kind of going to be the format of the show a little bit. Uh, so, um, of course, no pairwise standings per se that influence the women. Of course, their selection committee for the tournament is a little bit different than on the men's side. So that's why you won't see that on the women's side. So um, that's going to kind of be the breakdown, I think, as we go along in the weeks to come. I think people will understand it a little bit more, but a little bit more meshing on the men's side because of the non-conference game so let's see how much of a train rack this will be or if it <laughs> if it'll work yeah, out it's just my
1: train rack but yeah that's okay
0: thanks nick um <laughs> uh ncaa roundup we are just recapping the games from friday because of course the saturday games uh, it's just after four o'clock here recording so we're not going to get the saturday games That won't be a trend moving forward. We'll probably have the recaps of most weekends moving here on out. But a lot of interesting things going on on Friday. The only conference games of note uh, was the one Big Ten conference game. Ohio State 3, Wisconsin 1 last night. And Nick, Mm -hmm. you had kind of asked me the question last week about, you know, should Wisconsin fans be worried after their performance against Lakehead? Ohio State is projected to maybe finish anywhere from second to fourth, maybe in In the uh, the, the Big Ten this year. I think if you're Wisconsin, you gotta feel all right with that result. I mean, you don't like to lose, but you gotta feel all right after last weekend's whatever that was.
1: Uh Ish. I think <laughs> yeah. I, I think at well, because here's the thing. Two second to fourth in the conference, but I think they're kind of on the tail end of, say, like the NCAA rankings. Yeah. So and I think there's it's just icing on the cake, right. For Wisconsin fans. I think there's some, there's been growing disdain with the direction of the program um, and athletics in general. Sounds like even, you know, even the football team, um, they're not the same powerhouse as they used to be before. Do you think Granado makes it to the end of the season? Yeah, it's in college hockey. It's rare to see a in-season change. Uh, It really is. Unless, uh, you know, you're trying to, you know, not take a pay cut. I'm talking about you, uh, uh, Mr. Frost there in Nebraska. But, um, you know, it just so how long, how long is the leash then? Well, it gets to the end of the season. You kind of wonder, like I said, I think there's more to the Wisconsin athletics story than just the hockey team. Sure. And uh, I again, I think you reassess after the season. Um, but I do think that you're the the leash as far as in season. I don't really see a threat unless like you're getting pounded by. Oh, geez, it would be a, like, AIC right seven to one. Lakehead. With respect to AIC, Lakehead, right? <laughs> um, if that sort of result every week in and week out. And then there's maybe some locker room conversations that are alarming that maybe you make a move. But I don't, I mean, it's not that Granada wasn't a a good person. We know that. But it's just, it sounds like this, the the recruiting and everything else along with that job has been suffering for some time. And and this is the result of that. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Other non conference
0: action, non NCHC teams first here. Uh, The other one that has a Big Ten player uh, that we kept an eye on Minnesota 4, Mankato 1 last night. Thought Mm -hmm. Mankato probably dominated the early portions of that game. That goal interference yep. was tough for them. Uh, but Minnesota, credit to them, second half of the game, they really turned it on, found uh, plays at the right time. Uh, both these squads, pretty good. And I was watching that contest thinking, how in the world was it that Omaha beat this Mav squad seven to two last week? I mean, they just, the way they move the puck, especially on the power play, these are two really good hockey teams who really have a chance yeah. to go deep in the national
1: tournament this year. It's true. And uh, I think to a few uh, folks have pointed out to us, Mankato. They're a team just because of the way they play. They're not a team that's built to play from behind. Yeah. They just, I just, I don't don't think they have like the depth and the quality of firepower, um, especially with some of the key losses from last season's run. We're talking Nathan Smith and just a you know a couple of other pieces. Um, so getting behind to Minnesota, and then again, you you kind of get. Um, you're on the, the, the you're on the wrong end of a call which I think was the right call yeah um, you know albeit you know somewhat controversial um but then again you, you you don't catch a break you know often that means you know there's more other you know things coming down towards you and with Minnesota and the way that they've been playing uh especially with the, how much depth they have up front that was going to be a tough match and uh I think was it Brock Faber they interviewed him uh, just before this weekend series and and they were expecting to be a close, you know, tight knit type first. Right. And I think he was, he that said, you know what, we just got to, You know, weather the storm, we got to stay to our game. And if we do that, you know, the skill will eventually get there. We have to play physical, play simple hockey. And then once we get settled in, our skill will shine. And uh, it was almost identical to that game plan that we saw on Friday. Uh, So I I think they did, as far as the Golfers did, I don't think you can ask if you're Bob Motzko for a better execution of a game plan than what they showed on Friday at Mariucci.
0: Yeah, of course, recording this on Saturday game time tonight is at six o'clock. So I excited to preview that one. I don't think the score, the score was much closer than a four to one score. I think that's misleading. If you look at the box, I mean, a very good hockey game, uh, very exciting to watch. So, um, Another team that actually, um, lo and behold, played their game this uh Friday, uh, Michigan seven, Lindenwood four, about comparable to where Minnesota was beating them six to four. I don't really want to focus on Michigan, although whatever you want to do. Um, this Lindenwood team is not half bad this year
1: Nick. No, they're not. And you know, you're scoring four on Michigan, you're scoring four on the Gophers. I mean, you've yeah. got some promising things, obviously. How, how about sorry, how about that breakaway goal? last weekend. <laughs> was oh, disgusting. That nice. was not that was nasty. <laughs> Back end T drag. Oh. So and, and that's just it, right? Um, you know, first year program, you know, you have skill there. There's no question that there's, you know, you have the right pieces there. The, where the, the question is going to be over time, you know, as you continue to develop the program, what does that depth of talent look like? I mean, ask St. Thomas in your two, right? Is there can they continue to evolve and transition to division one? Um, if you're talking about a starting place, then one actually doesn't look that bad. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they
0: they look pretty decent. Another team that looks really good, three more scores on the non-conference side here. Bowling Green, three, Michigan State one. Bowling well, Green uh, looks good. Of course, former Minot Minatara, Miroslav Muha, the New captain of Michigan State moving over from Lake Superior, but I digress. Bowling Green, uh, they're a team that has kind of been a sleeper pick the past couple of years to make the NCAA tournament. Uh curious to see how their strength of schedule looks this year. But uh yeah, they're a group that uh kind of continues to rumble along. So I mm-hmm. uh, curious to watch them. They always like their setup too, the the kind of the brown shells, like the deep brown yeah. shells and their color scheme. I always kind of like that. Uh Arizona state beating Bemidji state by a score of three to nothing. This ASU mm-hmm. team, I think they're is are real this year. They're I don't good. know. I don't know if they make the tournament, but they are definitely, they're that- going to be in the conversation. They'll be, there'll be a bubble. Team. Yeah. 10 to ten to 20 would be where I would put them in the country, depending on how good their year is. I feel mm-hmm. like is maybe a good little sitting spot for them. And then uh, St. Thomas losing four to two to Alaska Fairbanks last night. Of course, Tommy's fans wanted to kind of get a comparison. seems like Fairbanks actually has had a pretty decent little start to the season as well, too. Mm-hmm. So um, anything
1: you wanted to add about any of those scores, Nick? Uh, you know, going back to Arizona state, 100%, I mean, they gave a uh, Duluth a run for their money last weekend. Um, you know, coming out on the uh, winning end this time against Bemidji, um, who Bemidji talk about uh, a club that's going to, I think, take a step back. And I mean that respectfully, they, it's just, I don't know where the offense comes from, from the Beavers. They're going to, it's going to be a tough one for them this year. Yeah, certainly agree.
0: Uh, speaking of tough ones, let's move over to the NCAC teams. Niagara 4, Omaha 3 last night, oh, boy. Um, That's a tough one for Omaha, depending yes, on how Niagara is. does this season. And, I, again, don't know a whole lot about Niagara, but historically they've struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Omaha after coming off the high, unfortunately for them an exhibition game, so it doesn't really count for them nope. in the pairwise last week. This that one does. It. Yeah, that, uh, that one stings. Of course, they're going to be back at it tonight. Uh, this Omaha team, we had them pick seventh in the NCHC, as did Pollers for the NCHC media. Um, do you get the sense that this team's Achilles
1: heel is going to be consistency right out of the gate here? It was what we described on you know, our preview was consistency. It's kind of what plagued them in years past is they'd have stretches and even against St. Cloud, right, where they played hard, they played physical, they played a fast game of hockey, and they were very tough to play against, especially with transitioning and breaking out of your zone. Um, but then there were also, like, say, the next night where it was like, where the hell did that go? You know, it right. almost seemed like they're sitting back. So it's kind of been something we've noticed over the past season or two um, where consistency was an issue. Um, grant this is technically for them one game into the season. So I don't know if we can throw out that, that just yet, but how do they respond to this? That's going to be the key is how, you know, how does tonight's game affair look? And uh, then we can come back and revisit, uh, that, you know, that consistency piece. Certainly agree.
0: Uh, consistency, two really good teams matching up here in, uh, and, wherever it was i can't remember it's kind of a a smorgasbord it's like a tournament that they've got going on yeah so i can't remember where it's at but uh denver five notre dame two is basically that was at
1: magnus yeah that was at magnus yeah yeah
0: basically a four to two game with an empty netter at the tail end of that one It's actually three to two until denver score with about four minutes remaining so uh, a much quieter tighter affair than that score shows as well too um we know how much we think denver is going to be good this year Notre Dame, are they someone who could push for second place in the Big Ten this year, do you think?
1: Uh, it's there. Um, I, I think for them, you know, because, again, a lot of their strength was their defense and their structure. Um, you know, can they get back to that form that they had late in the season that were giving teams fits and then capitalizing on opportunities? I think it's there. Um, I, I just don't see. I mean, you have what Michigan and, and the golfers at. Number one and number two. I think it's wide open behind those two. So they have a chance, yeah. but it's going to be tough to crack the top two with those two teams. Seems like
0: Michigan might even not be a top three in the Big Ten, depending on how they can come back. They right. lost a lot last year, obviously, too. So um, interesting to keep an eye on that one. Something I'm really excited about uh, Miami three, UMass Lowell one. Miami mm-hmm. another victory there, two, O and one in the season. They get they UMass again tonight um, in a rematch there. But uh, this Red Hawks team, uh, you know obviously not the biggest scoring team out of the gate, but they've limited chances
1: against with their opponents and they've, Mm -hmm. they haven't looked terrible, you know? No. And as we talked about in, you know, sort of the recap of the NCHC media day, you know, they kind of feel like they had exercised some demons, um, you know, sort of take a jump forward and good for them, honestly, if that's the case now it's early. um, But, you know, non-conference games you talked about how that can play importance and pair wise, I'm not sure if they're going to be in the conversation at the end of the year. You never know. This is college hockey, right? Stranger things have happened. Um, But, uh, you know, it's at least something where you can get a little bit of confidence early and for them at least make them feel like, hey, we're we're at least getting the right foot started now come conference time. Uh, That might be a tougher conversation, but it's good to know that uh, they're being competitive. And like you said, they're at least shown initially they've made some improvements.
0: How interesting would it be if the Red Hawks start to get going as well as Colorado College, a 6-2 victory? against Anchorage and the reason I throw this one out there obviously NCHC in general but let's not forget Anchorage hung on for a very good victory against Western Michigan last weekend so again I think this NCHC is going to be one of the most tightly contested years we've had in some time because I think those bottom end teams and even if Omaha with their struggles they had last night if they're as streaky as they were in the past couple of weeks uh, things could get real interesting really quick very interesting Uh, but yeah the CC
1: Tigers club Nick telling you, man, it's early again. <laughs> but in, in the debut of the uh, the new uh, white jerseys again, just unbelievable how those look. That's the um, secret. The yes, it's got to be the new jerseys. <laughs> uh, but good. no, they looked good. And, and since when have we seen Colorado put up six? It's been a yeah. while. Um, yeah. so good on them. Um, I'm sure
0: they have an inner squad scrimmage at the beginning of the year, right? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about how about six goals as well? North Dakota six, Holy Cross zero. No real yep. surprise there. Uh, North Dakota's big test comes next weekend and it comes quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Things to uh, kind of pay attention to as we'll look at what's on tap in just a moment as far as NCHC games tonight. That are going on denver has a different opponent tonight they have maine in that little they tournament favorite
1: in that one yeah yep.
0: whatever's going on there omaha has niagara again miami umass lowell cc and anchorage and north dakota holy cross those are all the same western michigan a single game matchup against ferris state tonight ferris state beating michigan tech two to one last night so uh keep an eye on that one what's on tap as far as next weekend colorado mm-hmm. college has saint lawrence next weekend so i th- I think the Tigers honestly should be favored. Um, I Saint, think so. Although St. Lawrence has given some teams a run for their money. Of course, don't they forget have. two years ago, they actually made the tournament and then couldn't make it because of COVID. COVID. So yeah. uh, winning their conference uh, tournament. Denver will visit UMass and the Minutemen. Um, Huskies fans probably one of the few times they'll be cheering for the Pios in that matchup, I'm sure. Probably. Uh, uh, Minnesota Duluth will uh, play Mankato next weekend. That should be a really good uh, series. Mankato, really good strength of schedule for them. Uh, Omaha has Lake Superior on the docket. Western Michigan has Bowling Green. So, again, some scores and teams that are going to kind of be able to compare as we go through the next couple of weeks. North Dakota will host Quinnipiac. Uh this upcoming weekend. That should be a good matchup. quinnipiac one won be, yep. won their first game and are one and oh after last night's uh contest. I forget who they played. And then St. Cloud. They've got Wisconsin in Wisconsin next weekend. Yep.
1: Excellent talk- better
0: Yep. Let's talk about them, Nick. Uh Wisconsin obviously is going to come off that weekend against Ohio State. Curious to see how they do tonight on Saturday. Um really, we've kind of known that Wisconsin's kind of been an up and down team, but as a lot of Coaches, especially someone like Brett Larson would say, we've got to focus on ourselves. If you're St. Cloud, you've had a week and a half off. You're trying to get back into game action. Pretty successful, you know, Soiree against St. Thomas. What are you taking from that matchup? What tweaks are you making? And
1: ultimately, what do you expect heading into next weekend? We got to feel confident in a couple of things. Uh, Special teams was good for St. Cloud. Um, Again, power play looked better. Um, You're getting production from players that you were hoping to get more from, including, say, Vidi Mietnin. You're getting offense from your balloon again with Dylan Anhorn. So there's some positives there. Um, and also, you only let up one goal all, all, all weekend against uh, St. Thomas. So your defense looks solid. Um, I think there's a lot to like. But again, we keep preaching this. It's early, right? Um, yeah. And I think the big thing for uh, for Brett Larson and their top six is, you know, how can we continue to get more elevation? Not to say guys like Yami Kranol, I just named one of them, Zach Okabi, right? Uh, Kyler Kupka, uh, guys who essentially they're counting on as those veteran presence guys. I can't believe we're saying that with some of these guys. These were yeah. the wave old babies not <laughs> yeah. that long ago, right? And these now are, you know, kind of being counted on to be the veteran leaders, right? Of this squad. I, uh, can ironic. we continue to, you know, elevate their game? Ironic that it uh, comes on Nick's birthday weekend, but anyhow, I digress. Uh, Thanks. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, but that's really what it is. It's, and that is continue to, again, get the freshmen uh, more acclimated to the system, see improvements in, especially away from the puck um, with those guys. Uh, Adam Ingram looked good, uh, but can he continue to, uh, you know, sort of uh, get everything, uh, you know, under, under tune, Maybe is the best way yeah. to phrase it. And then um, I guess in that, there's still kind of a question that, and that's not a bad thing Yeah, for St. Cloud when you have, uh, you know, uh, three quality goaltenders. And then the other big question, because there hasn't been really anything as you know What's the status again of Josh Lidke is, yeah. will he be available? Is he going to be out for an extended period of time? I imagine it's be closer to next week, say midweek. We're going to probably have at least an answer for the short term, on Josh, uh, and maybe potentially long-term depending on, you know, what's, uh, what's delivered for as far as the news is concerned.
0: Yeah. The radio silence is kind of interesting and it either means that something long-term is there, or it means that St. Cloud is playing this a little bit close to the vest and hoping that he's going to be a game time decision or something like mm-hmm. that as they or a week time decision, uh, so to speak, goaltending situation wise, Nick, you know, I kind of wonder if. St. Cloud has a really good run on Friday night against Wisconsin. Does James Gray get his first action early in a St. Cloud sweater? I would not be opposed to that.
1: Um, no, but you kind of wonder, too, the message you send with that. Great. You know, and, and what I mean by that is for those playing the home game, as my favorite phrase is, um, you're almost telling Wisconsin that you're kind of a pushover in yeah. a sense. Um now of course, pairwise implications on top of that as
0: well. But that again, too. as as we've heard from Brett Larson, it sounds like he's not too far off from no. being up to
1: speed here. So no, and and again, one of the things you know to your point is, you know, I I would say if maybe the game is out of hand, yeah. like score wise, he gets in. But if it's close enough to three goals, I I don't think you see him. Um, just because again, like I I know. In years past, he's wanted to involve, you know, all three goaltenders. And this year, again, there's, it's not really fully secured who's that number one right. um, yet in net. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does get a start and I'm yeah. just completely blowing my marbles. But um, we'll see. Um, it's it's something to keep an eye on. But I still feel like Castor and, and Bassi are still the, the, the sort of the one A, one B right now yeah. uh, with James Gray being the two. And mind you, that's not like you mentioned, not far behind. Yeah, I'm um, curious to see how that, how that goes through. I think a lot of Huskies fans kind of just want to
0: see him in some more action, too, and just right. kind of get a look as well, too. So um, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it there. Um, why don't we kind of wrap up our St. Cloud uh, talk with maybe this. Is there one guy on this Huskies roster so far through two games uh, that has really impressed? And is there one guy, maybe we'll start with this one, that you feel maybe needs a little bit
1: more of a boost uh, heading into the upcoming weekend? Uh, you know, it's hard to say a boost, honestly, just because again, we're so early, but again, going back to Brett, you know, uh, so guys like Zach guys like, uh, and I'm not saying that these guys are bad, uh, but yes. you just kind of want to see a little bit, you know, get them going really. Cause it's this early, right? So you want to see Zach, Kyler, uh, Mike and Miller a little bit. I think you want to see a little bit more offensive production from them just as, but again, as long as you're playing the game the right way, those will come right. So yeah. I, I'm not worried about it, but you do, I think as a head coach, want to see that pro- Aggression here in the non-conference schedule. Um, guy that's impressed. I think we've talked about him enough. Dylan Anhorn. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a, that's an easy one, just because I can use a transfer. Um, it was something that the Huskies knew they needed to replace. Um, minus Nick Perbix. No, Nick Perbix. Yes, offense was there, but I think, you know, it, it was in a different way that he went about it or uh, right. Dylan Edhorn seems to be a little bit more of that true offensive defenseman, whereas Nick Perfect's more of that two way type style. So, uh, and it sounds like the fit's been really, really good for him in this lineup. And I think to me early on, he's been very impressive mm-hmm. so far.
0: Yeah, would certainly agree. Um, I think my guy, to give a little bit of a nudge to, and again, I, I thought he played fine last weekend, I think Mason Solquist and the reason I bring mm-hmm. him up is because I think he's a guy in his sophomore year that needs to take that jump a little bit. Yes. Um, you know, kind of had a tough uh, end of the fir- to, to his first season last year. Yep. Had a little bit of an injury bug, obviously, as well, too, but uh, came out of the gate um, like a buzzsaw to start the season last year. But um, looked pretty decent in the face-off dot last weekend, but I think for him just getting that confidence to say, you know, I can be a top nine guy and then maybe he mm-hmm. moves his way into the top six. Cause for me, when I look at him, especially moving into his sophomore year, I think he's a guy that shouldn't be relegated to a fourth line role. I think he offers a little bit more than that. Not to say the fourth line guys don't offer that, sure. but I think that his scoring touch and his ability to get to the gritty areas, I think has yet to continue to develop, but I think sure. it there's enough of a raw talent there for him to be able to, uh, work on that and be able to be an effective player, especially we talked about it, you know, with the guys who were the Wave o babies and now they're veterans guys like Yami Cranola, Zach, Okabi, yep. and you started to see them open that, open up that game, get bigger, stronger, be able to process the game a little bit more. So
1: and he's, right. got a, and he's got a unique opportunity to know, especially this year, because, you know, he is a player that we've seen in the past who likes to get his nose dirty, right? He is yep. okay with going into those dirty areas, whether it's in front of the net or in the corners. Um, and you have a freshman who's got some offensive upside in Adam Ingram that's been on the third line, at least as of recently. Um, yep. Dare I say you move yourself in a position where you can be, you know, that initial four checker and then you're creating loose pucks and then all of a sudden you're setting guys up like Adam Ingram or maybe Ethan O'Coin and And now your production goes up just because – you know, you're doing those small things that don't necessarily make the score sheet, but you're doing those noticeable, you know, impactful things on the ice that then translate to those points on the scoreboard. Certainly would agree. The guy that stands out for me, Grant Crookshank last weekend, I didn't know how he
0: was going to respond back in NCHC action had kind of a meh year last year, according to some people uh, in a Minnesota sweater really impressed me. I thought so excited to see him continue. just, just just a better fit. It seems like, yeah, Yeah, certainly. And I, I like him at the center position. Um, um, centering on some pairwise changes. Normally that's where this section would go. We don't have any for this week because uh, we're still pretty early. So we'll we'll integrate that when that uh, becomes appropriate Uh, on the women's side here, WCHA women, the roundup uh, as of right now at just before five o'clock on Saturday, Minnesota did sweep Bemidji state Um, Mm -hmm. Duluth and Mankato. Their nail biter is going on right now. Let's see if I can find a score here. Duluth is up two to nothing. I believe the Bulldogs beat the Mavs three to two in overtime last night. Uh, I believe you're correct yeah so yeah third period with six minutes left Duluth up still up two to nothing and that one uh St. Cloud State unfortunately dropping both of their games against Ohio State and then it is uh Wisconsin who is back in action um they are playing I don't know why oh St. Thomas swept St. Thomas didn't they 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 won the first night they've got St. Thomas again tonight um at around six o'clock so Okay. Um, yeah, so they got him at, at six o'clock tonight. So, but again, wouldn't be shocked if St. Thomas got swept Wisconsin, a great team as always. Um, mm-hmm. and the Tommy's just maybe not on the same level as the Badgers, but crazier things have happened. Uh yes. women's hockey at Ohio State, of course, they lost five to two with an empty net goal with three seconds left in yesterday's contest. And I believe the final score was six to two tonight. Yeah, six to two tonight. So let's see. Um, Umina Newland scored. Um the second power play goal of the evening, actually, both goals in the power play tonight on Saturday for uh, the Huskies. So good to see Newland score in this one. I'm trying to see if I can figure out who the Emma Gentry was the other goal Gendry, scorer tonight. Yeah. And then yesterday um, for the box score. Um, let's see here, St. Cloud. Clara Hamelro scoring um from Bailey Burton and Tatum Geyer. And then mm-hmm. you need a new Newland from Taylor Lind and Regan Bulger um scoring in that one for the Huskies. So
1: and congrats to Taylor Lind getting to the fiftieth career total points. Um yeah. I think only the twenty eighth Huskies to do so. So that's a that's a nice feat. Congrats to Taylor. She's been really noticeable so far this season.
0: Yeah, certainly has shot disparity was a little bit higher, but again, Ohio state came in as the number one team in the country this weekend. So uh, Sonia Hola getting both games this
1: weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, kind of taken, I was a little surprised by that, to be honest with you. You think? Um, yeah. And, and I, and this is not a knock on Sonia Hola, but uh, what I saw from Jojo Chobac, um, you know, last weekend, um, I just felt like she just had a more calmer presence and now had better rebound control and uh, I guess going against Ohio State, I mean, that's you're going to face a ton of quality chances either way, and uh, you know, no matter which way you go, is going to be a challenge. So, um, but it's it, it was a measuring stick weekend, right? We talked about how good they looked against RPI, um, over 30 shots both nights, and then just tonight um, for the second game to only 14 shots on goal compared to going up uh, letting 43, in on both goaltenders. So you talk about, you know, still some area for improvement, but I, I would still feel like you know they're probably still in a much better shape than they were even a year ago in terms of going up against top opponents. Yeah, certainly
0: would agree. And, you know, this is a game that, you know, might have been 8-1, 9-1, 10-1 a couple of years ago, and, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. has kind of that margin has kind of slimmed. And, you know, I got a chance to catch a little bit of some of the game uh, today. And one of the things that I've noticed, even though, of course, Ohio State, you know, as we've talked about, was probably the better team this weekend st cloud is playing the game differently their process and the are. way they approach things is different their puck support is fantastic yes. their ability to move as a unit is fantastic even the, even their defensive zone i think the past couple of years it was it was kind of common for st cloud to kind of get hemmed in their own zone and let teams play on the perimeter but they were almost passive they were like well i guess the play is going to come to us and if we stop it we stop it and mm-hmm. now this year it's Yes, let him play on the perimeter, but kind of force them into an area that you want the attacking forwards to go. Can we yes. use our personnel to force plays along the half wall, then create some turnovers, then transition with speed? I think you're seeing Brian Adelsky. I think you're seeing his structure really take form. Janelle Sergey, obviously a big part of that. She was a player who certainly liked to use her speed to her advantage mm-hmm. and uh, hockey IQ as well. And I think you're starting to see more of that. I don't want to say free-flowing defensive structure, but it, it relies a little bit more on instinct. Because yep. there's a structure in place, but players also have to be able to read and react and kind of use that hockey
1: IQ to force players into areas they want them to go. And well, and to your point, Noah, not, impressive. Not, to cut, not to cut you off, but yeah, you're good. Again, when you're funneling pucks into areas, mm-hmm. That makes the anticipation part of the game a little bit easier, right? Because then you're sort of cutting away their options. You yeah. know what your structure where you're at. You know where those options are, so you can sort of start to try to take away a little bit. So then it's not more so, you know, reading reacting because you're guessing, but you're reading reacting because you've your the percentages are much more favorable to where you know the puck's going. So right. Um, and I think I talked about this last week. You know, calling both games is that again play away from the puck. The structure was very evident. Um, if like They knew not only there was one option, but multiple options, right? And more importantly, last couple of years, it was, like you mentioned, Hamden, and it was just pucks off glass. It was just relieving pressure. Now it seems like you only are doing that when it's absolutely necessary. They really want the puck on their sticks, and they want the possession, and they really want to exit the zone as a unit and with possession to try to turn it into an offensive chance, at least initially. Sort of cleaner exits, again, just more... As a team, just better unit play is what I'm trying to say,
0: you know, and better unit play on the offensive side, too. And yes. so it's interesting where the shot totals, we're still trying to see that margin climb a little bit more or the shots against or shots for, excuse me, our climb a little bit more. But St. Cloud compared to last year's, you know, let's say both years they get 16 shots on goal for an evening. It feels like you have at least three or four high danger opportunities or you're potting one or two of those goals at least at a minimum now this year where they're Mm -hmm. able to convert. And so, sure, they might have a bit more of an opportunistic nature against some of the better teams, but they're able to convert. They're able to execute two power play goals in the game, uh, you know, tonight, even by losing by four goals. That's something that strikes to me is that when they get that man advantage, when they're able to create uh, an odd man situation in the corner, able to cycle, create two on ones in the corner, they're effective. Their offensive play is really opening up and they've got some players that one can score goals. And two, like you talked about last weekend, they're able to recognize more than one option or create their own options. And that's something that we've been missing a lot From teams in the past, and also something that really hasn't been noticed a lot. Um, maybe since Olivia Hansen, a little bit, Rachel Herzog, actually, a couple years ago. I would say so. Defensemen willing to shoot pucks, filter pucks towards the net a little bit, and that's that's a big thing because it keeps defensive structures against them honest. It does, you know, you know, that the offense isn't going to
1: come from one spot on the ice. Right, and in 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 the years past too, when they did attempt those shots from the point, um, shall we say it was sort of a um, uh, a, you know kind of a loose cannon. Um, A lot of times there's already a defender blocking the lane. It was like I kind of feel like I only have one play, and that is to shoot the puck. And it wasn't a clean lane. Uh, You know, the eyes weren't necessarily up. They already had kind of committed to the decision. No no real Um, purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it just kind of and and that was. Dare I say that was sort of the mantra that we saw from Husky seems is that they were doing a lot of things, but not a lot of things with purpose. We're seeing right. a lot of the things early under Brian Adelsky where a lot more things are being done with purpose, both with and without the puck, more importantly. Yeah, certainly. Um,
0: As we take a look here, uh, normally this is where we would do the standing still waiting on the score of the Duluth game. Duluth did w- win two to one in overtime last night. They're clinging on to a two to nothing lead on the Mavs with just under three minutes to play. So as it stands right now, Ohio State leads Uh, four games played for them. All conference games, four and all 12 points on the season for them. Number one team in the country. Minnesota is at six points right now. They're looking to climb to i Oh, they won today. Sorry. So six points. So they're in second Duluth. Mm -hmm. If they win today, will tie the Gophers in second place, Wisconsin, same story for them. So uh, they're at three points right now. Only one game played then Bemidji state, Minnesota state, St. Cloud and St. Thomas all do not have a win as we start off conference play. So uh, Mm -hmm. top four teams, Ohio, Minnesota, Duluth, and Wisconsin, something that we've been akin to seeing uh, throughout the past 12 years in the WCHA. So, but again, it's early. As we pay attention to one of those teams, Wisconsin, who's got St. Thomas later tonight, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be St. Cloud's matchup. If you, if you are St. Cloud um, and you're looking forward to Wisconsin,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what do you take from this weekend? In a weekend that, yes, you lost both hockey games. Second game maybe wasn't particularly close, mm-hmm. but it seems like the fundamental play of this team is growing into a product that you can get behind.
1: Right. And, and a couple of things, too. Uh, Huskies took, a, I think, a little bit too many penalties to uh, six minors for 12 minutes. And again, you're going to have to limit those opportunities right, for Wisconsin, much as the Huskies are starting to take more of an advantage of – uh, for the power play again penalty kill uh, last week was perfect. Um, you know, it's but you, you still can't continue to play with fire, especially with some of the talent you're gonna be facing. Also face-offs have to improve. Um they were over sixty six percent uh last weekend on the faceoff dot uh let's just say it was uh almost Not the, uh, the script was flipped yeah. uh this week and granted part of that is just because again you're talking about the number one ranked team in the country they're gonna have a little bit better talent there um and you gotta generate more shots too this is where, as you mentioned, the growth of this new scheme under Brian Adelsky is going to have to, you know, and this is where the challenges lie, right? Cause you want to get into those, you know, those high scoring areas, but you know, better teams are going to reduce those by quite a bit. So it's how do you generate different offense from different spots, such as from the blue line or such as from the half wall um, areas where they're probably going to be on the perimeter, but how do you maybe generate second chance opportunities? Like, so shooting with a purpose, maybe far pad, generate a rebound, and then getting into those dirty areas where you can take a loose puck and then pot it in. Um, you know, off on a second chance opportunity. So I think that's going to be the challenge. And then also trusting the system, right? This is still a newer adventure for this club. You got to trust the fact that you'll start getting results. And as you mentioned before, um, this could have easily been, like we mentioned before, nine, one, um, you know, even just a year ago, this is six, two, it's not the result you want, but there's still some improvement. you know, deep down into the scheme of things that they're doing for how they play the game. So just trust the process and continue to hammer down uh, some of those new systems that Adolski and his staff uh, continue to, uh, teach uh, this younger Husky squad.
0: Yeah, excited to kind of see how they respond. Another big test for them this upcoming yeah. weekend against Wisconsin at home. So it's in the Granite City. So mm-hmm. make sure that if you're around, uh, go to that hockey. And, Of course, the men are in Wisconsin next weekend. Women are at home. So, yep. um, other action around the WCHA women. Uh, Saint or Saint Thomas hosts Franklin Pierce. Uh, Minnesota and Mankato have a home and home next weekend. And then Ohio State is in Bemidji Saturday and Sunday. They're the only games that are on the tail end of that weekend. So uh, excited as we pay. Attention for those who forgot, by the way, WCHA a little different than the NCHC in their point breakup kind of ish, um, or following the NCAA protocol. Um, Whatever I'm trying to say. Anyway, three points for a regulation win, two for an overtime or shootout win, and then you get one point for an OT or shootout loss. Um, So that's the point breakdown for the WCHA. For those paying attention to the standings as we go through them for the year. Nick, before we hit our extra ice session, very quickly, the Minnesota Wild wrap up their preseason today against the Dallas Mm -hmm. SARS. Uh, Their home and season opener is next Thursday against the New York Rangers. That's on the 13th. will be the Rangers' second game of the season. Um, We're kind of getting down to the wire here. Um, And I only want to ask one question because I think we're going to talk about the wild a little bit more next Next week. week. Yeah. Sam Steele and Marco Rossi. Do they make this club? Yes.
1: Yeah. And so does Nick Batan. And so is Andre Schuster. Okay. Um, I do. I do think (laughs) that um, Schuster offers a little bit of, you know, that complement of size. Um, and I think he showed some good instincts actually, in a couple of tip plays with Sam Steele. I think Nick Batan has looked good in his role too. Um, he might be sort of that, you know, extra forward maybe, you know, on most nights, but you know, for, for Minnesota, you know, you, and again, in the pro leagues, right. If you're going to be a championship contender, you can't have enough depth, right. I think Nick Batan comes in and slots. And if say you have an injury or what else have to be, I, I think he's developed and shown enough for me. I think he makes the squad, um, couple other guys that uh, are still up, right? It was that, uh, was a Dewar was still up. There was a couple other young guys Probably that were. Probably Dohaime. What about uh, a guy by the name of Kalen Addison? I think he's there too. I-, I think, you know, especially with some of the passes he's made through the neutral zone. Uh, Zuccarello's go, uh, just the last preseason game where it was that a set neutral zone play, right? Um, yeah. uh, Kalen Addison, he makes that whole play happen with his vision from the back end and quick transition. Um, That sends Zuccarello in completely, almost untouched uh, from the blue line in. So I think, uh, and he's been effective and noticeable on the power play, which is what they really have been missing from uh, Matt Dumba. Um, I know that that name, every time it comes up, it goes, well, when's he getting traded? Mm -hmm. Uh, He's he's not I'll tell you that way unless the (laughs) wild completely collapse in the regular season which they won't but um I I think you I think he's in for that purpose and I think he's going to bring a nice extra element to the blue line which they've been missing for the past couple of seasons
0: yeah it should be interesting obviously paying attention to the goaltending situation I think Philip Gustafson has looked all right in a wild sweater um and he's gonna need to he's gonna
1: need to honestly I think you need to get no, no less than 25 to 30 games out of Gustafson um, to make sure Flory can be you know, healthy and ready for yeah. a, a, a Stanley Cup uh, run, because if he's not, um, well, sort of the chess pieces you you moved in the offseason that kind of, uh, shall we say, not worked out what uh, you desired.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, of course, only 23 years of age in his contract year as well. So mm-hmm. paying attention to that as we move forward, paying attention to all things related to hockey, none of which I uh, or everything of which, however you want to look at it, Hockey Canada, as we head on to our extra ice session. And welcome into the extra ice session. Nick Maxson, joining myself, Noah Grant, episode number one hundred and thirty two. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> A lot of episodes, man. It's um, to me. You know, cool. you know what's you know it's interesting is where I think we're at like 170 or 171 total for like some of the guests that we had for the secondary episodes right. too yep. for a long time. Been a lot of hours of covering hockey and of course some more positive than others. Um, hockey Canada and the hearings they had this week what a friggin disaster, dude. You know what? Like,
1: let's let's preface this correctly. I think because it's a disaster, but now what's a disaster that might actually institute change? Right. Because yeah. when, again, and this is just modern society, right? The minute, you know, the money starts being affected, you know, regardless of how, you know, some of its own members, right. We talked to about this maybe two, three, maybe four weeks ago and how yeah. there was questions about the hockey Canada leadership. And effectively the board members said, we have confidence in them was there to hand out medals at the women's worlds, right. For team Canada. That was sort of a big giant middle finger, right. To the, uh, to the folks at play. And now yeah. let's to say that uh, organizations and different subsidiary sub, uh, subsidiaries of Hockey Canada, I should say, um, uh, are starting to strike Hockey Canada where we yeah. think is actually going to hurt the most and might finally keyword might uh, force some changes, but yet to be seen. But it seems like the the stone is beginning to roll yeah two words
0: confusing audacity from hockey canada and what they're trying to do at first they were kind of a little bit shameful and taken aback a little bit and kind of like trying to follow the process the right way ish in this situation. They were, Early they were on, playing the PR game. Let's be real. Yeah. And now <laughs> it's, they're playing the PR game, but in a very wrong direction. Well, let's start on the, on the top portion. Like you had mentioned a uh, corporate partners uh, leaning towards permanently ending hockey Canada relationships or doing mm-hmm. so already. Jane's family foods has cut ties. Tim Hortons did for this year. Nike, Scotiabank, and Telus have all suspended their support as of right now. Canadian Tire, Recipe, Swiss Chalet, and the Keg all cut ties as well. And then Esso, which of course is the big um, gas petroleum uh, company um, discussing right now as we speak. Also, Hockey Quebec cutting ties the yes. first group to do so um suspending transfer of registration fees to the national organization new brunswick ontario and nova scotia also have followed suit and british columbia and manitoba are discussing right now as we speak so um big changes there but the big news that has come out of uh all of this are the hearings in front of the house of commons on tuesday up in canada for those who don't know what the house of commons are it's basically like the Proceedings room essentially in the Canadian government, so to speak, for things like this. A good Mm -hmm. comparison would be like
1: a committee, a subcommittee. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: basically. I was going to say Supreme Court, but not in the sense of like the judicial. Yeah, it'd be more like a subcommittee hearing essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, a train wreck for Hockey Canada. So, who was there? Uh, former chair of Hockey Canada, Michael Brindamore, who resigned last August, and then interim chair, Andrea Skinner, who appeared via video conference. Um, before that, Canadian Heritage Standing Committee in Ottawa. So, um, for those who are kind of trying to figure this out, the chair of the department. So right now, Andrea Skinner. Um, she is essentially the chair of the executives of each department of Hockey Canada. So they each yep. have each department has their own like chair itself, and then she's in charge of that entire
1: group Jesus of Dio. chairs. Yeah, basically,
0: she's like the CEO of the of the board, basically. Yeah, yeah, basically. And that's what makes up the board is all those executives together. Uh, So some highlights here. So let's not forget the main issue is the 2018 issue uh, with the World Junior Championship team. Hockey Canada also has a second issue stemming from the 2003 World Junior Championship team Mm -hmm. that has is just kind of starting. And now apparently there's a reported third issue that we're just supposed to get details as we move forward as well. So they are in some serious hot water. So Mm -hmm. uh, some highlights are lacked thereof. Um, Andrea Skinner opened um, saying that Hockey Canada has an excellent reputation and that the board does not Uh, find it appropriate to replace senior leadership based on what she describes as substantial misinformation and unduly cynical attacks by media and politicians. And then further went on to open by saying toxic behavior is not a hockey problem. It's a society problem. Oh, boy. Um, Toxic culture. And I love the game of hockey. Hockey Canada, ha- or Hockey Canada,
1: Hockey in general has a culture problem, and yes, Hockey Canada has a
0: major culture problem.
1: So a couple of things are right, and I, and what your notes don't highlight is, remember when these, the second allegation was brought forward, right? We're talking about the 2003 issue. Um, right. Hockey Canada essentially was apologetic for that. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't really, dare I say, accept responsibility for it, but it, they sort of said, we failed, you know, we can do better. Um, but now this is all BS apparently, because now it's yeah. misinformation and sending a lot of attacks. Well, these are, again, it's like, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, right? Now, Hageken is almost trying to spend that where it's like, Okay, so now twice, now three times apparently, right? This third um revelation still very much in the early stages. There's not much that we know about it, but yeah, effectively going from being apologetic and you know, we need to do better to going pointing the finger at basically everybody else it's, it's literally intentional
0: and that's it's intentional yeah what what the next piece of this hockey canada has attempted to shift that focus away from them um kind of just trying to make it muddling and confusing for people mm-hmm. um they've essentially insinuated that they are being victimized as an organization oh, um boy. they even put out a survey last week that asked people if they thought that the media coverage was overblown it. it was very it was very that random was, that was pathetic i'm sorry that's yeah. no other word to describe that yeah so it, it gets worse um i probably I promise we're not even halfway through here. Uh, Hockey Canada board minutes know that the organization was told to, quote, get the message into the public, get ahead of communication and shift the narrative hmm. End quote like a very intentional like that's Nick. If you that's if your political PR manipulation is what that is. Uh, if you yeah. were if you were doing a criminal trial, that would be what uh, we in the biz call evidence.
1: Well, it's, it's a couple things. Yes, evidence, but also shows a couple things. You talk about mea culpa, so their mindset. So that means they knew what they were doing yep. and also the intent, right? Which means you're you're definitely trying to control it. Well, this is a PR textbook, right? Um, this is yeah. straight out of something in the U.S. political system we would see right? in terms of the strategy in terms of trying to either shift a narrative or more so as they were trying to do, trying to get ahead of it. Right? Mm-hmm. Trying to essentially create a sub what do you call it? A side narrative essentially where now it's, you know, it's funny how they claim misinformation yet. They're trying to essentially do the exact same thing. Yeah. Misinform. (laughs) And then they get at the end of the day, right. In the court of public opinion, right. At least in the U S there's nothing against the law with saying all this crap out in the public, but of course in the court of law, then you have to prove it. Right. So right. Fortunately for hockey, Canada, if all these things that, you know, we're t- I should say these three stories that we've been following, right, the third most recently, if when it comes to where push comes to shove and now evidence comes into play, uh, your PR tactic has blown up in your face um, when you actually have to go prove it, right? But essentially right now, the playbook is, well, we're going to say our side. We'll say whatever the hell we want. We'll everybody else. And then we'll just let the public decide what's true.
0: You know essentially what it is. Yeah. It's funny. There was also another part of those notes that they essentially said that we have to get out of the out of the neutral zone and start defending this thing, which is a funny hockey analogy for someone who Only really in should, Canada. Which is a funny hockey analogy for someone who should actually be in the penalty box. Um, nonetheless, here or should uh, I say
1: eject or should I say you know, ejected.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, player safety uh, for review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although Shani might let him go uh back Maybe. in the day. Yeah. Uh <laughs> with that being said, a, a hockey Canada also says that they handled the 2018 situation quote appropriately and said that they didn't go public for the victims, essentially peace, even though they gave millions to the victim to essentially be quiet. Um, You generally don't uh, give people right. millions of dollars because you're concerned about them. Um, In their opening there's, statement, there's um, some truth to that, but I'll let you finish. Yep. Um, In the opening statement to Canadian heritage committee, former board chair, Michael Brindamore, um, Said the board's decision to authorize the settlement to the woman in the 2018 um, alleged sex assault case was because the board felt it would be, quote, inappropriate to victimize the young woman in court. Now, uh, okay, th- the issue with this um you're right, there's a hint of truth to this if the woman has expressed herself that she feels that
1: it that's doesn't the red herring right It doesn't yes. seem that she did that no that's and and that's the part that's missing. That's the red herring, which is they're trying to spin the narrative that is like, oh, we don't want to hurt her. And as you mentioned perfectly that, you know and, and granted, they're in maybe I shouldn't say that, but, you know, there is that fear, right? A lot of reasons why some of these situations, we're not just talking about hockey, Canada, but, you know, sexual assault in general is, you know, is that fear of that public, you know, the public opinion of when, if stuff does come out, right. It's right. You know, and, and so I get that, um, not to say that's what's happened here, but to what, to what we've been describing specifically here, um, you know, you, you don't, offer a settlement meaning you are wanting to keep it quiet but then try to say no we're paying it because she wanted the money and she wanted to keep quiet no you're trying to keep it out of your limit to protect your own image that's that's the actual <laughs> the actuality yeah, what's happening right so i uh,
0: it still gets worse nick we're almost to the bottom oh, I, I promise <laughs> Uh the board um Also, have talked about CEO Scott Smith. Of course, was the same guy who decided to go hand out some medals. uh, Talked about that earlier for the women's championship. Um, They they were asked. uh, Andrea Skinner was asked um, by one of the House Fathers um, to grade Hockey Canada CEO Scott Smith on his role right now, and she said, "quote I would say he's conducting himself as an A under the circumstances." Okay. Uh, two words again, hy- hyphenated, I believe a uh, tone deaf. We talked about that before mm-hmm. hockey Step Canada, for those who are paying attention, <laughs> <laughs> two words hyphenated makes one, right? Yeah, um, you unless you're ha- hockey Canada, two words makes, um, uh, an aggressive, whatever yeah. um, hockey Canada is now taking the government of Canada to court now to stop their disclosure of the financial information. Mm-hmm. Is I wonder why. that uh, an admission of guilt? Question mark,
1: question mark. No, um, but they will force them to answer the bell. And that's exactly why when you start going on this road of a PR, you know, you know, cluster fuckery, pardon my French. Yeah. Um, you know, what ends up happening is again, when you go to court and you go to these things called discovery, And now you have to answer to actual factual information. Your sort of limelight that you put up now starts to crumble and crumble pretty quick. Well, things that might be crumbling. There was a joint statement
0: by the Halifax and Moncton mayors. Of course, they're getting ready for the 2023 men's world juniors as Mm -hmm. the host. Um, And they said, we believe we have the local expertise and experience to welcome the world's best young players in hockey to our cities. But we are deeply concerned about Hockey Canada's lack of judgment and professionalism. We look for meaningful changes within Hockey Canada prior to the World Junior Championship taking place as mayors, we have discussed our growing concerns as the Hockey Canada situation unfolds, and we believe accountability is paramount. We, we will be discussing this matter further with our council colleagues and provincial hosting partners. So that's a big deal, too. Mm-hmm. And the last little piece here that I've noticed before we just kind of discuss uh, is that Hockey Canada, the scandal has actually affected business operations heavily at TSN, mm-hmm. um, according to executives. And of course, let's not forget Rick Westhead, who's done a fantastic job with yes. this, um, is reporting and they support Rick in this. But but the, one of the issues is um, some of their biggest draws for um, TV rights comes from the world juniors yes. um, and also a lot of their support and a lot of their startup and uh, continued revenue essentially comes from covering Hockey, Hockey Canada related events. It's a big yep. deal for them. So it's, there's kind of this real divide of church and state for them as well too. So um, yeah. Nick, you know, as we go through all of this with Hockey Canada, I, I really want to know this. Um What part of this blows your mind the most? Because in my eyes, it's not all of the damning things that have happened and all of the misinformation and misguided judgment from Hockey Canada. It's how they don't even have the wherewithal or the respect of people that have been affected by their actions to at least say, hey, we really screwed this up here. And we've got a real problem. You know, if Andrea Skinner, who, of course, uh, comes into this, and it's interesting because um, we don't know if it was Andrea Skinner, but when CEO Scott Smith went to present the medals, he did it because, quote, a woman told him to do it. They didn't even verify what woman it is. I don't know. Of what, course not. Was it a woman on the street? I I don't know. Who says it was a woman? Who the Yeah, hell it, that's what I'm saying. But like, here's the thing is like, how do you look at all of that and not have accountability and double down on this entire thing. Cause at this point you're not even saving face. You're just burying yourself further and yep. further into the ground. And I just, I wonder how you can be that oblivious to what's going on.
1: You know, like, like so what is like, what is A couple things, a couple of things to this, right? So first of all, they're not oblivious. I think there's a genuine strategy here by hockey Canada. And obviously it's failing miserably. So I think what dispels is two things. Number one, hockey Canada, like anything else that has government funding is not a perfect organization. There's no question beyond that. Cause we got to remember back what five, six weeks ago there was again, that hockey Canada owned a property, that penthouse, right? That was like, right. what the hell is that? What are you doing with that? Right. And so just even from a taxpayer perspective, right? It's like, wait a second. I thought that was supposed to help kids learn the game of hockey. Now you're spending a penthouse. So, we talk about going back to our other points, the financial documents, right? This is peeling back layers of the onion, right? And it's like the deeper you go, I think the genuine the genuine concern with folks who are actually paying attention to this is what other stuff is going to get uncovered. Yeah. And I think if you're Hockey Canada and the strategy that you've implied or imposed, I should say, is if we make enough noise and we try to essentially be the opposite voice, at some point, we'll get sort of derailed, or eventually something will work in our favor because we know the right people. Um, it's we're, we're you know we'll save our face at, at some point, essentially, right? The question is, is society has changed? The big thing is, is that is no, we are demanding accountability, and even here in the and- U.S., it's it's a slow change, but essentially, the onion skin is not enough anymore. You're gonna get and- exposed.
0: And that's, does this strategy almost hurt them worse because of the fact will that a long term. you think about this and you talk about, you know, if you're compliant with things that are going on, people tend to stop doing some digging because they're satisfied with the fact that you not have remorse, right. but but you're kind of giving up that information willingly. And you're trying to help get to the root of what the issue was. You talked about the onion analogy, you know, when you're peeling back the layers of the onion. If you're, if you know how much onion you're looking for, at some point you stop peeling back the layers because you're satisfied with what you have. Not necessarily. But if you have this resistance where you're trying to muddy these waters a little bit, I think people are inclined to kind of provoke and prod even deeper. And then they start uncovering things that Hockey Canada maybe didn't want uncovered that has nothing to do with the 2018 issue or the 2003 issue. And then you start to see like a whole. Other avenue of where Hockey Canada, as we've seen as an organization, their leadership right down to certain areas financially, whatever it may be, is now starting to get targeted where it's like, wow, they really have some other issues that not to say they weren't issues before, but maybe
1: they're not brought to this scale or this scope unless Hockey Canada has this pushback. So you're right on everything except for one thing, and that is when you start peeling back the layers it's going to get found out. It's not that I don't think you stop because you got to remember you're innocent until proven guilty, which means, you know, eventually if you start seeing financial documents, it's like, okay, well, then you're, taking, you're talking about cell phone records and personal bank accounts and then different sort of correspondence. I learned at a very young age um, and this is coming from just, you know, my experience in my family is no matter what you do, no matter what you say, it, you're, it's going to get found out. There's just right. no escaping it, especially when you're taxpayer-funded, when you're under a government umbrella, and you get a big enough bruise, such as a sexual assault allegations, plural. right? Um, And then all of a sudden, one layer, penthouse, two layers, um, the way they've handled it, right? That's kind of where it's like, we need to dig a little deeper, right? And then instead of finding the core of an onion, now you found you know, much more other things. And I think that's where they've been so resistant is because i think they know at some point there's gonna be more questions about different types of things that they're gonna have to answer and it's gonna it's dare i say it's like um what what's what's the analogy i'm looking for it's the the lame duck kind of you know leadership which is yeah i'm doing things to keep my job because i like my job i'm getting paid really well and why not continue it to me it's about saving face um and i don't even think necessarily and this and i think this is a, a an argument you could have too. Is it really about hockey Canada for some of these people or does it become more personal? Is it more about them personally saving their face and in the midst of how they handle, I mean, what's ask, you know, Penn state fans and the the Patino scandal and then the Sandusky thing, right. Um, You know, do you attribute that to the university or do you attribute that more to the coaching staff in Sandusky, right. Um, There's, there's multiple layers to that even as well. So um, at the end of the day, the, the bad deeds will surface, and i say d just because we already know of two now possibly three and if all this can be you know corroborated and, and proven and again the more we do digging maybe there is more stuff that's there and hockey canada is bracing themselves or maybe dare i say delaying it as much as they can yeah um to avoid facing the music it's the only so time wh- will tell So last little tidbit,
0: uh, Andrea Skinner also had mentioned about how if hockey Canada isn't there, who's going to keep the rink lights on. And a bunch of people were like, well, the rinks are going to keep their lights on because the the communities are what makes this thrive. Um, this is a a very long projection here. So I'm, I'm giving you a very loaded question and I'm aware of that, but, um, yeah, almost, like almost as loaded of a question as Bill Prout wondering how big this microphone really is. Um, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah. Perspective is everything, uh, uh, truly, um, literally and figuratively, but what, what comes out of all this? What's next for hockey Canada, for the hockey community in Canada? What, where, what, what's the end result of all this
1: in your mind? I I, th- I think it all depends. Um, you know, cause you, the governing bodies You know, so again, there's Hockey Canada, which is, you know, the big fish at the table, but then you have all these subsidiaries, right? So Hockey Quebec, Hockey Ontario, Saskatchewan, you name it, right? Nova Scotia. Um, So it sounds like they're okay on their own. Yeah. So the question is, how does their leadership at Hockey Canada mean to the functionality to all those different groups, right? Um, And I say that because could... Being that this is a government thing, could there be just sweeping changes at every single position you keep Hockey Canada, but essentially you just clean house like you literally do Chicago right. and Arizona and you say, screw it, we're starting to from scratch with the intent and knowing that their actual, you know, their actual um, uh, purpose in this whole situation is just to make sure the tires keep. You know, running smooth, right? And if, um, Ari-
0: and if Arizona can keep their lights on, albeit not in their own right. building,
1: so can you. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and there's, you know, like they said, that's, I think that's hyperbole. You know, the right. race will still be on because their job never was to keep the lights on. Their job was to make sure the lights stay on for generations to come, right? It was right. just, it's all the administrative and those kind of things, right? Um, it, it sounds like right now, if you're pulling ties and, And, you know, registration fees, these organizations can handle on their own, at least from the very little that I know about them. um, I think you're likely going to see more than likely a sweeping change. I don't think you're going to see the disbandment of Hockey Canada. I don't think that that would be a practical ending, but I do think more likely as you'll see sweeping changes, people were moved and maybe different legislation, uh, for may say closer audits, uh, maybe right. different procedures, handling sexual assaults, those kinds of things. I think that's the more likely scenario. Um, I just can't see hockey Canada completely collapsing and you know falling flat on its face because i do serve an important purpose uh, in terms of the development of the game of hockey and the continuation of it um and making sure everybody you know is on the same page so that's kind of what i think um
0: yeah. dare i where's, throw it back to you and where's
1: uh where's hockey north america when you need it
0: <laughs> right <laughs> seriously overarching body Overarching yeah, body. yeah, I- yeah. I think what's going to come of this is we're going to have a much better framework in place for being able to handle um, cases like this. Maybe not only mm-hmm. like you had mentioned uh, months ago, not only within the game of hockey, but just with sports as a whole, the proper yep. reporting services, the uh, independent reviewers and avenues to be able to, to process these things. And and that's the thing. It's like, it. it's not, this is going to sound stupid, but it's not on hockey Canada to handle these instances it's on them to be able to reference them to the appropriate authorities, authorities or circumstances. So if you have an independent uh, firm or uh, group, essentially kind of like the NHLPA or whatever it may be like an organization like that, where that's what they do is review. Then your job is you're a mandatory reporter essentially. Exactly. Even if it involves you, your job is to report it. And I think that's where we're going to be headed because I think so too, because the accountability within many things not just hockey canada but in the national hockey league the nfl the nba whatever it may be youth communities even in in some capacities um how do we handle that appropriately i think that's going to be where down the road i don't know how long it's going to take but i think that's where we're going to get to so
1: and i and just a slight comment on that yeah no and because that's where it's failed right because yes. essentially the mandatory reporting which is already in place now for most of these organizations right um you know it's failed because essentially It's it is their responsibility and it should be their responsibility to a degree. Right. Right. Um, Because, you know, and, and that's the thing where it's hard. Right. Because even if you have this independent body, per se, right, that's in charge of being an anonymous source of reporting, you know, what sort of power do they have to actually investigate to shall we say, subpoena, like force people to come testify? Um, is there protocols in place to protect victims such as identity, you know, a concealment of those kind of things? Um, right. Are those things made public even during the investigation stays or do they stay kind of more private as things are worked out? Right. Um, right. But it has because there have been so many shortcomings. Um, we're at this conversation now. where just simply doing the right thing as you and I would, you know, attest to hasn't been enough because there's been repeated, you know, events of people being victimized um, and the ones that have, when they have been addressed and supposed to be, you know, elevated to the proper authoritative level, they haven't been doing so. And so then you're left with the mess we're currently, uh, and now you have not just one event, but potentially up to three that you're trying to deal with all at once.
0: Well, let's talk about three events we're trying to deal with all at once. Men's hockey, women's hockey, Minnesota Wild, all in action next week. Um, Men's hockey will be at Wisconsin Friday and Saturday. Women's hockey will host Wisconsin Friday and Saturday. The Minnesota Wild open their season on Thursday against the New York Rangers. I believe it's a four-game homestand for them to open up the season before they head on the road. So uh, excited, Nick. We are basically getting ready for full swing here for yeah. uh, the regular season for all of these clubs, and we couldn't be more excited to cover this and everything we do at the Huskies Warming House podcast. For Nick Maxon, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. <laughs> and
1: and fires And she scores! Dana Rasmus sent for the Huskies alongside the Huskies. in for a chance to win it! He scores! Krill, the Thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner!
0: St. Cloud Cathedral is
1: now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.